Life is a joy when we look for it, acknowledge it, and celebrate it, even when we're sitting at the bedside of the dying. In this episode of the Share Your Story podcast, we meet bedside singer Linda Bryce, who also authored the book The Courage to Care, Being Fully Present with the Dying. Currently, she is working on two short children's stories as well. The first one is called Old Oak and Little Pumpkin, which is a picture book for three to seven-year-olds with a message for little pumpkins who feel scared and alone. Her other story is called We're Never Far Apart, about a young girl's experience with death and what follows. Tune in to see how you might be more present with death and dying, and what joys you can find in your life now and beyond. Welcome to another Share Your Story episode. This episode is in honor of those who have gone before. I was in a reimagined candlelight vigil one time with the author Neil Gaiman, and he said, there are people you can't talk to anymore, but they're here. They're there. They're just in a different now. Mm-hmm. And in working with Linda and in my own spiritual beliefs, I believe that our people are still around us and they still have an influence in our lives and they're, they're still very much a part of our lives and, and they wish to be a part of our lives. And we'll talk more about that as we go on. So a little bit about the Share Your Stories series or podcast. Um, It started with an idea and lots of opportunities to meet new people. And those ideas came together and this podcast was born. It's called Share Your Story, Exploring One, one (laughs) (laughs) it's called Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. And we embrace humanity in this show (laughs) because that's what brings us together and connects us. And so throughout this, these episodes, these interviews, we talk about our personal experiences and our human stories and we share them and receive them so that we're all edified and inspired. I am your host, Jenny Diltz, and I'm the founder of Grieving Coach and I help people deal with grief and convert that grief into power. So on our show this time, is Linda Bryce, who is a bedside singer and author of the recently published book, The Courage to Care, Being Fully Present with the Dying. I met Linda through LinkedIn, and then we scheduled a conversation to talk. We were intrigued by each other's work and felt strongly connected with each other. Then I had the privilege of hosting Linda's book launch party for The Courage to Care. The experience was incredible as she shared her love of music, experiences at the bedside, and messages that she's received from those who have gone before. In this conversation, we will explore the power of music in the dying process and ways that you can help ease the transition from this life into the land beyond. Linda, it's so wonderful to have you on the show. It's a joy to be here, Jenny. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. So as we said, you lead a group of bedside singers. For someone who's never heard of this, can you explain what your group does? 
Sure. We're called by different names, bedside singers, threshold singers, hospice choirs, threshold choirs. They're all names for an ancient practice of usually women who came to the bedsides of people who were ill and dying and who sang to them and who would sing to them throughout their illness, who would sing to them throughout their stages of dying and who would be there as they were dying and even then singing afterward. And that's what we do today. There is, you're coming from California, about 21 or so years ago, there was a woman in California who was singing to a friend who was dying. Or I should say she was visiting a friend who was dying and then just found herself singing mm -hmm. and spent the next hour or so singing. It seemed to be quite comforting and consoling for this person. Mm -hmm. And so she began what is called thresh, now called Threshold Choir International. Um, our chapter here in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts is a chapter of the Threshold Choir. We sing as a gift to people. We are either referred by our local hospice or individuals who know about us ask mm -hmm. us to come and sing at the bedside. Now, since we're called a choir, you might think, oh, we're going to have 40 people show up at the door. <laughs> and that's not what happens. It's usually two, maybe three, but at least two so that we can sing in harmony. Okay. We either sing in the home or we sing in facilities where people are living. Okay. Mm -hmm. In some places, choirs are supported by a hospice mm -hmm. so that the hospice itself organizes uh, a group. Sometimes it's a hospital. And if you look around, as I've experienced, and probably I'm sure as well out there where you are and wherever else where people are listening, uh, there are just individuals who know music and either want to sing or play an instrument and take some time every week or every month and go visit a facility mm -hmm. and themselves play the guitar or sing. I have a chapter in my book all about music. At one point, I thought of writing an entire book on music, and then it was like just getting out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there is, there is so much research and medical research that's been done. That's why it's called music therapy in places uh -huh. um, of physical benefits, emotional benefits, spiritual benefits. And we see that when we sing to someone, we can see how they change. We can see how they relax. We can see how they let out a wonderful sigh. We can see how an anxious person calms down enough even to go to sleep. Yeah. 
um, so that's what that's what we do, and that's our purpose as singers at the bedside. Yeah, I know the power of music in my own life too. And the cool thing about music is it's universal. Even if you don't know the words, or even if you if the words are in a different language, the music, the vibrations, the sounds, it touches us universally. We don't have to understand the words to be able to feel the music and and um, experience the healing like you were talking about from music. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you mentioned vibrations. And I use I use that in in my book as well, the courage to care, uh, talking about um, the Beach Boys, the Beach Boys song, "Good Vibrations." Right? Uh-huh. I mean, we can feel it's it's vibrations, it's energy from music. We can find music that makes us feel the way we want to feel. If we want to get jazzed up, we can put on an up tempo number. If we want to just chill, we can put on something else. And, and when we sing, we specifically tell people, no applause, no acknowledgement. That's not what we're here for. I don't quite use those words, but that's, uh-huh. that's the message. Yeah. To sit back, close your eyes if you want, and just let the vibrations, the music flow over and around you. And it's not only for the person in the bed, Mm -hmm. you know, the caregivers who are there, the family members are there. I've had staff in homes hear us and, and just stand there and wait until we're finished. Um, So yes, you know, those, those ripples of vibrations flow out and, and affects the mood of everyone within listening. Mm-hmm. How did you get started with being a bedside singer? The real short answer is I answered an ad. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, perhaps like, like many of us, you know, growing up, I sang in school, in the school chorus or choir. I sang in my church choirs. Uh, later on, I sang in in a couple of community groups. I've always, music has, music just has always been a part, a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I have four children. And when my children were growing up, whenever anyone said something, because I'm, I'm very much into the lyrics and it would trigger, it would just trigger something. And I'd hear the song and I'd, and I'd break out and singing that particular song and got to a point where, where, you know, eventually it was like, Oh, mom. Yeah. (laughs) So they, they depressed my, my exuberant um, outpouring of, of, of song, but uh, yes. Uh, And then, you know, as the, the nearer events would be that after my husband died, Then I also went to Maine and sat with my aunt who was dying for like the last 10 or so days and Mm -hmm. supporting her and my cousins. And on the evening that would be her last, and I had no clue about bedside singing at that point, um, I just started singing. 
it was it it was natural. Mm-hmm. It seemed natural. I was singing songs that I knew from her her faith tradition, and I was singing other just kinds of general consoling songs. And then when I came back home, the next week almost, there was an ad in the paper. Newly forming Threshold Choir Looking for Singers. And I said, sign me up. (laughs) So, yeah, so I started going to rehearsals. And we sing a cappella. So there, there are times when when the listeners will say, oh, you sound like angels, you know, because it's no, it's, it's the pure voice and then mm-hmm. the pure voice in harmony. Um, but yes, so I started learning the songs and three months later, I received my first song, Words and Music. And over the years, that was, that was five years ago now. Over the years, I'm walking, I'm on retreat, I'm reading something, and other songs have come. And so uh, I've been blessed that maybe five months ago now, there was an ad in that same shopper's guide which is the local whatever with a lot of ads in it uh-huh. of a, of a gentleman who is a, um, he's the composer, um, maybe retired, but still doing some work uh-huh. and was saying, if you need songs and I have, I'm not enough of, of a musician to, to say, you know, this is a quarter and this is a 16th and whatever, that kind of thing to write out music. Uh-huh. But anyway, the, the short of it is I contacted him and I gave him what I had of my songs. And then he has now put them on sheet music. So they look official <laughs> and I can, I can share them with, with my choir members and I can share them with other choir members and saying, this is the song and th- these are the notes and this is how you sing it. So, yes, um, just before our, our podcast here began, I jumped off of a call that I was on. The leaders of the Threshold Choir chapters get together once a month to see how we're all doing, and especially mm-hmm. in this new yeah, new new situation is how how do you sing to people and how do you sing to people with masks on your faces or face shields and right. can we come into the facilities yet and so forth and so on. All of us have been fully vaccinated, mm-hmm. so we are slowly but we are beginning to be invited back into a couple of facilities now to sing. That's wonderful. We'll take it slow. Yeah. Take it slow, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So I would invite a plug, and this has nothing to do with the book and sort of to do with the book because it is one of my other hopes is that the book encourages other musicians and singers to join or to form, I should say, to form new groups, you know, 
mm-hmm. is bedside singers are not available all over. Yeah. So I'd encourage all of your listeners, if you're interested in singing and in music and bringing, bringing joy and hope into someone's life, even for, you know, a 15 minute sing or 20 minute sing, they're going to love your being there. And as one woman kept saying to me, you make me feel so good when you come. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So for people, I'm going to go off on a tangent because you let it, (laughs) you started it. (laughs) That's that's what we're here for. Whatever. We'll go wherever this goes. Um, So for people who are interested in doing some kind of bedside singing, how would they either join a group or start a group? Who would they contact? Like, what would be the process? Okay. Um, there are a couple, there are a couple of paths. If you're already a singer, say with a choir somewhere, whether it's a church choir or community choir or chorus, you've already got a nucleus of individuals who sing. Mm-hmm. You might just want to see how many of you would want to do this kind of singing. And if you're with a faith community, why not start by just singing to the people in your faith community who are sick, mm-hmm. whether or not they're dying, but yes, who are ill, who can't be with you. And yes, if they then have um, an illness, which will take their life at some point, you know, whether it's years down the road or weeks down the road, Mm -hmm. why not start singing to them? And you could use popular songs. You could use songs from the person's generation and you could use songs from your faith tradition. I mean, it can be, it can be as organic as that, you know, look to Mm -hmm. see what's already possible in your own backyard. Nice. Another way would be to reach out to Threshold Choir International, and that's thresholdchoir.org, and say, I'm a person, or my friend and I, or my neighbor and I, or my relative and I, or my group, whatever, we're interested in singing. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be affiliated with Threshold Choir. National mm-hmm. Threshold Choir. Yeah, yeah. If you are, then they will give you help in setting up your chapter. They will mentor you. There's a coach. You have access to using their songbook. Mm-hmm. Many of the songs, um, just like what happened with me, but many of the songs are written by bedside singers who who are also really good musicians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so there are more than 500 songs already in, in the repertoire and singers continue to add to those. Maybe it's walking into a nursing home or walking into a hospice facility or, or a hospice organization where I am, we do not have a freestanding hospice. Okay. In other words, the, the hospice staff here provide services to people in their homes mm-hmm. or yeah. to people who are in a long-term care facility. Right. So it might be approaching a hospice and say, do you know about this? 
um, how music is so beneficial. Mm -hmm. And are you interested? And would you be willing to support us? Maybe they already have a music therapist who could help with teaching songs. I mean, I'm, there are many ways to go about it. If they look at the thresh, there is no, there is no one database. Mm-hmm. Country's big. And who knows, like all of these individuals or two people who are just going in, in their local area and who aren't affiliated with any larger organization. They're doing this because they see this as their ministry or Mm -hmm. their charism, or, you know, this is close to their heart to visit these people and to share song with them. But if you do go to thresholdchoir.org and on the menu, look at locations, you'll see where in the country there already are chapters that happen to be affiliated with them. Mm -hmm. And if you go on my website, www.thecouragetocare.com, the courage to care, all one, you know, word, the courage to care.com and look under bedside singing. I also have a link there for another group here in Vermont where uh, the woman there has started other hospice related choirs. Okay. So they have a few others. Um, That's, that's the way I suggest going is reach out. Is there an interest? How do you, how do you find, how do you find people who want singing? Mm -hmm. And so that's why if you're part of a, if you're part of a faith community, or if you're part of some other association, you know, maybe it's, my friend and I are singers, and this is what we do. And if any of you or in your family or know of or neighbors or such and such, let us know and we'll come and, and visit. Mm-hmm. You know? And I would say, too, music isn't for everyone. It's, it's for many. Maybe it's for most. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it helps, you know, it helps people if they know you, or if they know someone who knows. So for example, someone who doesn't know us directly, and then a staff member says, oh, I've heard them. And I think you're really going to enjoy this. Why yeah. don't you try it? And that's the thing too. It's a try it out. Mm-hmm. You know, once you have singers, it's, it's not like, oh, we're going to force ourselves on you and come every single whatever week or day or uh, it's usually, we usually sing once a week. Okay. That's our, that's our practice. Um, And, and even that's open to negotiation. Someone isn't feeling well enough or they have visitors or, or, or we have, we have various personal obligations because we do this as volunteers. Mm -hmm. So yes, we make a commitment and we make space in our lives to do this on a regular basis. And sometimes we just need to rearrange. Right. Sometimes life happens. 
gee, you know, every single moment. <laughs> so if, if somebody has the music ability they have or not, um, if they're, they have the willingness and the and heart. Ha- and ha- hopefully they have some, right? Or they're going to choose a different way of being a volunteer. And I'm also, I mean, I'm also a certified hospice volunteer and vigil singer uh-huh. and, and certified end of life doula. So, I mean, there are other ways that you can, that you can engage with individuals who, as I say in my book, would love to see your smiling face and have a visit from someone who has nothing to do with their medical diagnosis and and the staff who are doing what they need to do. You know, someone else from outside who cares enough to show up. So what if that that D word scares you? Like the D word (sighs) of death death and dying? Yes, yes. Dying? How about dessert? Think dessert whenever you think dying and then the fear will fly. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I feel I feel fine and light with death also. But I know that there are many who do not. So how and this is where your book comes into play how do you work with the death, the dying, like getting over the stigma, the fear of being in that space with death? Uh, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm having a, a lot of answers running through my head. And I, it's like, okay, so I'll just jump in and then, and then we'll see where it goes and, and what we come back to and what next tangent we're on? Wholly <laughs> relevant, however. Um, so let's let's back up before you're dying. Unless you're one of the five, one of the five who die suddenly, just all of a sudden you turn around and Julie isn't there anymore. Gone. My grandma was one of those. No. Um, you probably know this person as being ill. Well, you've been with ill people before mm-hmm. and ill people can be grumpy and ill people can be angry and ill people can be, oh, it's a great day today. You know, it's, it's dying is living. I mean, you're still alive, you know? It's, this is, and, and, and I heard someone say once, or maybe I read it, there's a 100% guaranteed way to not die, not be be born. born. (laughs) Okay. But existentially, I mean, the first breath we take is the first breath toward our end of physical life. Yeah. Life, but it's still life. So, yes, now it isn't as familiar, granted. And I even say that in the introduction to my book, which, by the way, it's right here, the introduction to my book. Yeah. Um, we, not as often, I'll put it that way, we don't often see dying like we used to see. 
And we don't grow up, therefore, Mm -hmm. many of us, with taking care of someone in the family, in our home, all the way until the end. You know, it's, it's like we don't have that osmosis. Oh, you know, Graham used to do this for her, her parent, or my mom used to do that and taking care of her parent or her aunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and this is what dying looks like. It starts this way. And there are sort of stages that you can tell mm-hmm. that, that, that move people along as they get closer to the end of this physical life. So my sense is that some of this, a lot of this is just that people are unfamiliar and they're afraid of not knowing or they're afraid of not what to do or they're afraid of doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. They have so many questions and it's like, who can answer these questions? Where do I go? What can I expect? And remember too, that dying, as I, as I read on my book launch, you know, the start of chapter two is, is about what dying looks like, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, what do, what do you, what do you listeners and you viewers, what do you think of what's in your head when you hear the word dying? And probably for most of you, you're thinking of what we call on the deathbed, this very last stage. But If I've received a diagnosis today, that's not a great one. And there's no known cure besides, I'm dying. Yeah. I don't look like that. I'm not acting like that. You know, so so being with someone who is dying, you might be with them for years. And you might be with them for months. And you might be with them for weeks. And you might be with them for hours. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it depends what your relationship is and at what point you join them on their journey. Yeah. And so with this book, you know, for me, if can, can, we, can we pivot to there? Because I, yeah. I wanted to say... I wanted to say a piece, not, not exactly on the book, but who I've been in my life is throughout my career, I've taken information in a particular area and chunked it down so it can be easily learned by someone else. Mm-hmm. I share information. I want you to know at least as much as I do. Mm -hmm. And so with this book, the focus here is on how to be with someone, how to be with someone. Yeah. 
you know, to prepare you. Even if you don't know someone right now who has, who has a diagnosis, you know, you can read this for yourself. You can read this to be ready. There was, um, I'm in a number of face group, Facebook, Facebook, yes, Facebook groups. <laughs> all of this, all of, I'm still, you know, I'm still getting used to all of this social stuff. It's not like the old days and I can talk about the old days. <laughs> You're probably half my age, Jenny. Uh, um, but for example, on one of the groups, a woman is taking care of a parent. And I cared for my dad for his last 10 years. So mm -hmm. I also have that personal experience with the kind of decisions you have to make and how things progress. And can you still take care of them? Um, do they need to be placed some? I mean, I mean, just all everything that goes into caring for someone throughout their life from birth to death. Mm -hmm. um, and this woman was so upset because, oh my gosh, her mom's skin was becoming mottled, mm -hmm. like blotchy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, so sad that that is a typical physical response for each of us in the normal, natural process of dying. And so even if we knew things like that, you know, we'd say, oh yeah, they're gonna start becoming withdrawn, oh yeah, they're going to start feeling colder. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're going to start seeing changes in the skin. You know, oh, yeah. Of course, there's going to be changes in breathing. Oh, yeah. They're, they will not want to eat. This is a big one. This is a huge one. Mm -hmm. Because now the family is like, they're not eating. I have to give them food to keep them alive. They're dying. You know, the physical body, our gorgeous, magnificent, mysterious, marvelous physical body knows how to die. Yeah. It's like, I don't want food anymore. I'm shutting down. What do I want? What do I, why? I'm going to, I'm going to put gas in a car that's a junker. You know, I mean, it, it's, yeah. And, and besides which, you know, and then, then the other piece of that is you need to recognize that if you force someone, then you're, you're probably actually causing pain because their body can no longer process it. Mm -hmm. And if you force liquids, our body stops swallowing. I mean, how much more can our body do to tell us, don't give me any food or drink. I'm not letting you swallow anymore. No, it's not funny. 
because we're losing someone we love. Yeah. And we can, we can go through this with them in a much easier, peaceful, even accepting way when we are more familiar with how we die physically, mm-hmm. yeah. how we die emotionally, you know, what we can do to help ease someone's passing, what kinds of music or other complementary modalities. Some people like massage. Some people like aromatherapy. Not for me. I'm very sensitive to smells. So in my, my list of my written preferences are don't give me any smelly stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, do, do we want to be outside? Do we want to feel the, feel the breezes on our skin? Um, do we want to have... We visited one woman for almost a year who loved having her nails done. And every time we were seeing her, she had, look at, look at my nail polish this time, you know? I mean, it's, uh-huh. um, the book takes you through easy step-by-step, introducing you to um, the answers to a lot of questions that you may have and showing how you really can be, you don't need special training. You were talking about at the outset, sharing your story, humanity, one heart at a time. Mm -hmm. What you need is an open heart. And, And as an individual and as a bedside singer, my ritual, if you will, my practice to prepare myself before I go to be with someone is there's a song, um, open my heart, let holy love flow through me. So just go, (laughs) you know, And you say, oh, I've never been with someone who was dying before. Oh, I've never been to a bedside. Okay, fine. And one of the exercises I have in the last chapter is for you to reflect on all of the other firsts you have had. Mm -hmm. Your first relationship, your first job, your first day at school. I mean, the, the first time you tried to ride a bike. I mean, you know, whatever it is. And how did you manage those? Well, you'll get through this too. Yeah. You'll get through this too. And like many firsts, there's, there is fear. There is some sense of anxiety. I don't know what I'm doing. I've I've never done this before. And there can also be a sense of excitement, anticipation, even giddiness. What's it going to be like? How will I feel after I've done it? Um, What can I learn from this first experience? And how can I make the next experience better? And this isn't all on you. You're partnering 
with the person whom you're visiting and with their family. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you, what, what do you need from me? What would you like to talk about today? How are you doing today? Yeah. Oh, I see you've had some visitors. How did that go? I, you know, how do you just conversation? Um, it's not people. People are still engaged in life. And want to know what's going on in life, want to be participatory. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not like, okay, now I'm dying. I'm just going to sit here or lie here for the next however many days, weeks, months. No, no. <laughs> yeah. If anything, if anything, being open to dying, we, we more, mm, acknowledge the preciousness of each moment you know we can remember more what's important to us and live consciously Mm -hmm. you know how do we spend our time yeah our conversation is reminding me of the book Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album yep Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I recently read that one and it's like it's a it's a weekly Tuesdays week, every week. Tuesday. That's right. <laughs> it's it's going and having a chat, and it's you know, and that's it's um it's an opportunity for someone to speak to someone who's not a caregiver, who's not a family member, to be a friend. Yeah. How do you be a friend to someone? You know, what's going on with you? You know, you, 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 you still drinking X, Y, or Z, you know? <laughs> I had a barbecue. You want to go out? You know, and to the extent, I mean, to the extent people are ambulatory, I mean, you can, you can also, you can go out and do things. I mean, it's, it, it's not like, okay, here, I'm stuck at home and... What do I do now? Mm. Boo-hoo. And yes, not to say. Not only the person dying, but the family members will all be going their stages of grief. It isn't just loss of life. It's loss of your place in a family. It's loss of your place in a community. It's loss of your ability to move or, or whatever else perhaps you can't do feed yourself. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's maybe, maybe you like to cook. You can't cook anymore, but that was a real important part of who you were or gardening or being on a, on a team of some kind. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, my, in my book, I talk about that too, that you need to be aware of the emotions that are going around. Mm-hmm. And again, what to expect depending upon 
where someone is in their grief and how they express that and not take it personally. You know, this isn't about you. This is about what they're going through. And it's hard work to come to terms with, oh, yeah, I'm really healthy and I'm contributing to, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, how much longer do I have? Mm -hmm. And what can I do? How can I live fully? Maybe. How can I live fully? How can I help you? How can I support you in living fully for whatever time you have left? Mm -hmm. you know? Maybe it's helping them work on relationships, reaching out to someone they can't get a hold of. And, oh, I'll do that. I'll see what I can find out. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's their concern with as many of us um, being remembered. Will I be easily forgotten? You know, and so, well, maybe we can talk about how can, how can we put together something, some event or some charity or some service celebration while you're still alive, having ever in, in one of the books. And, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned that one. I have so many resources as well in this book because we haven't even talked about communications and ongoing life and all like that. Um, but I, out of the hundreds of books, I've also read these past six years, which has also informed some of what I have in my book. I sat down today and said to myself, how many books are in my recommended reading? <laughs> I counted 71. That's awesome. And they're like, you know, if if you if you want to explore near-death experiences, you go here. If if you want to explore spirituality, you go here. If you want to explore dementia, you go here. If you want to explore music, you go here. If you it's pick and choose. Um, there are many, many resources to help you and to help the one who's dying. Mm -hmm. um, you know, may we, may we learn from those and be able to talk. You know, you talked about um, how do we ease this transition, you know? One of, one of the big things is being willing to talk. Talk with someone. Be a trusted, active listener. Not to judge, not to fix, not to suggest, not to criticize, but to talk and hear what someone is experiencing and what their fears are and what their hopes are and what their concerns are. Avoiding talking doesn't help. Yeah. 
And as we talk, it can help us open up our hearts more and let that holy love flow through us, between us, around us. Where it always is. Anyway. Yeah. Um, one of the songs that that I received, and I have to I, I realize I keep using that language because I refuse to say I wrote them or they are my songs. Um, but the words are in this space, only love in this place, only love. Open hearts, open hands, all is love. That's beautiful. And I think that's where we're going to end it. It feels that way too. It, it feels like the perfect ending. Mm -hmm. thank you so much Linda for sharing your experiences with us this has been amazing 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 experience you mentioned before where can people find you okay so uh, if you come to my website www.thecouragetocare.com thecouragetocarealtogether.com you can find information on bedside singing. You can download a free guide, Five Trusted Ways to Ease Someone's Dying. And there are other resources there, as well as very soon, if not already, I'm not sure, you'll be able to see a replay of my book launch and hear some of the excerpts from the book, um, as well as purchase a copy if you'd like. Awesome. Thank you. It was it was wonderful being here. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. If you enjoyed this, join us next time in our journey of exploring humanity one heart at a time. You can also donate to the program so we can continue to have conversations like these in the future. And the link to do that will be in the chat in the show notes. <laughs> And more of my work can be found on my website, grievingcoach.com. And I'm active on LinkedIn, Jenny Diltz Grieving Coach. And you can also join me on Facebook at Jenny Renter Diltz.